Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. In today's episode of the Happier at Work podcast, I speak with Adrian Whelan from Brown Brothers Harriman BBH. We talk about inclusion, but as you'll hear from the podcast, we digress quite a bit and we talk, we cover a wide range of topics. It really does boil down to inclusion and being your authentic self at work and how to do that. And Adrian shares some tips about how you can do that and how you can feel more courageous in work as well. This was the first podcast that I did that was in person. So uh, you might notice a little bit of a difference. It's like us sitting in a coffee shop and having a conversation and you guys have the privilege of listening into that conversation. I hope you enjoy and I'd love to get your feedback at the end. So welcome, Adrian, to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Uh, great to be here. So my name is Adrian Whelan. I work for Brown Brothers Harriman. Uh, we're a global custodian in the Irish fund space, but we, we do that on a global basis. My role in BBH is interesting. It's head of regulatory intelligence, a job title that gives my wife much amusement. She doesn't associate me in intelligence. Um, and very briefly, what that means is I look at global regulation as it pertains to banks and asset managers. What does that mean for BBH? But more importantly, what does it mean for our clients? Fascinating stuff. <laughs> Do you want to? So we're going to talk today about inclusion, and this podcast episode is very exciting because it's the first time I'm recording in person. So normally I record over Skype and do it online, um, but this time I'm sitting in the BBH offices with Adrian, and we're doing a live recording. So uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. So talk talk to me a little bit more about inclusion and kind of how you got to where you are in your career in relation to that. Yeah. So again, I I've worked most of my life in financial services so what people maybe listening would say is the IFSC space in Ireland and so asset management and banking it's interesting I was born in Finglas in the north side of Dublin Uh, I still retain very close ties mother and father still uh, live there I have lots of friends there and again none of them work in IFSC or financial services so it's kind of interesting And, and my own journey has been interesting um, I operate in two kind of spheres. My professional career is, we will say, a different socioeconomic demographic to what we'll call my private life. And for many, many years, and we can talk about it, you know, I felt excluded or excluded myself, yeah. interestingly. Um, when I was in Finglas, maybe I thought people didn't think as much of me because you're the guy in the suit, you're a little bit different. And then for many years when I was in the office environment wearing the suit, um, I struggled myself thinking that people thought less of me. Now this never actually manifested. I, I told myself these stories. Yeah. So again, I, I call that living between two stools. I made it up in my head. None of this actually yeah. existed. But it did give me a good sense. And now I'm a little bit older, well, a lot older and a little bit wiser. Um, I think that I have a platform through my role and my job and my function in my industry to talk about inclusion because I started using and celebrating my own difference and that's what really elevated both my life and professional life. Um, That's why I think it's really important. And again, the, the cliched term is your authentic self. 
but people shouldn't take that as a kind of throwaway remark. Companies, it's incumbent on companies to allow people to be their authentic selves, to celebrate their, their authentic selves. And it's interesting to use the word inclusion. We can talk about diversity to a degree, but are your diverse human capital, are they fully included? And they have a culture that actually celebrates and includes everybody, because that's what you need. Mm. And again, people will tell themselves stories to the negative side and the downside if they don't feel included. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much there that I want to, to pick up on. So Yeah, so, so, so caveat straight off as mm. we enter the podcast. I talk a lot. No worries at all. <laughs> um, so you said there's something about self, self-exclusion. So excluding, I excluded myself. And I can totally relate to this when you feel somehow, and we'll talk about imposter syndrome a little bit later, mm. but you feel somehow that you don't really belong where you are. And... There's two, you're, like you said, you're between two stools. So you don't belong in one place where you're wearing the suit and you've, you're the boy from Finglas, so you don't quite fit in with everyone else who's there. And then the other hand, you're back in Finglas and you're the guy who works in financial services, which is different to everyone else, and you don't quite belong there. So, but but that's totally just your own self-perception and how you're perceiving the world. And like you say, it didn't manifest itself into anything else real except any something that was that existed in your head. So, so, and I'll tell, a, I'll tell an anecdote, um, which some people may have heard before from me. But so I, I, I did live in Figlas. Um, I'm the only one still that went through third level education in, in my direct family. So I have three sisters and no brothers. We can talk about, um, you know, me being blessed amongst women again <laughs> in a bit. But I was from Figlas. I was 12 years of age. You're moving from primary school into secondary school. I had my uniform and all my pals who were getting very excited about going to the local school. And um, One day, the postman drops a letter in my door. It changed my life. It was an acceptance letter because I was some way book smart. Um, it was an acceptance letter to offer me a place in Belvedere College. Now, when that came in, there was tears in our house. Yeah. My mother had tears of joy. I had tears of sadness. Okay. But the conversation that happened after everyone stopped sobbing, <laughs> my mother asked me, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And I said, I don't want to go to that school. I want to go with my friends. Natural yeah. 12-year-old yeah, child. Yeah. Okay. I said, I don't want to go into that, that place. They're all posh. I'm so different. And then I screamed at the top of my lungs something that will stay with me forever and how I guide my life now. I shouted at my mother, I just want to be normal. Right. Now, my mother's good at the old quips, right? But she turned around very calmly, looked me straight in the eye and said this, and this is indicative of how I try to live my life now. She said, normal. What's normal? I'm not normal. I don't even know what normal is. Yeah. And actually, now that I think about it, normal's the worst thing you can be. It's kind of like the whole idea of average. Absolutely. I want to be average. No one wants to be average. or Everyone's trying to fit in. Everyone's trying to belong. And I'm obsessed with this whole idea of fitting in at work. But it's, it's not about being like everyone else. It's about being your authentic self and still belonging. Well, self-destruction is rife in society. Mm. 
we create our own barriers, we build our own prisons in our minds about our capability. And if you reflect on what my mother was saying, was that you have a potential to actually just break out into something different yeah. and maybe harness the potential that's within you. What I wanted to do, and what does a 12-year-old know? But what I was saying is, exactly, I wanted to blend into the yeah. average, into the median, into the mean. Mm. Interestingly, it didn't go away I, when I entered the workforce. Again, I'll use my mother's quote. She says, I'm the cleverest, stupid person she knows. Now, only mothers can say that. But what she means there is academically, and again, without, you know, I need to remain humble here, but academically, I've never had an issue with reading complex things. My job at the moment is reading, writing, and talking. Okay. okay? I, and again, it's financial global regulation. It can be pretty tricky stuff to yeah. some. Yeah. I seem to have a talent, if I do have a talent, for creating, reading that stuff and being able to create stories. Yeah. That's in essence what I do, right? Yeah. Without um, building it up or, or putting it down. But what she was saying is that you have a talent, you need to use that talent. Yeah. I entered the workforce, I knew the answers, I knew what to do, but I let everybody else speak first because I didn't feel worthy of my okay. opinion being forward. Yeah. I got to a certain point in my life where actually the penny dropped. I wasn't doing badly or anything, but I wasn't fulfilling my full potential. Yeah. Happy at work. I wasn't happy at work. Yeah. I was working. Yes. So then I started speaking up. I started speaking up in work. I started speaking up. I'm, I'm big in sports. I, I wasn't a shy guy looking at the floor. And I started speaking up in those type of meetings. Still not fully comfortable in big crowds, if I'm honest. Um, but I started speaking up. When I started speaking up, it was like a, a weight had come off my shoulder because people, not always, but mostly positively reacted to what I said. Yeah. So it built this kind of perception, self-perception and self-limiting character that wasn't actually me. Yeah, yeah. And the, I go back to my homestead. The work that I started to do was talking a lot in work. When I went home, I couldn't get a word in edgeways because there was three women and my mother. <laughs> yeah. So I did go back. To, I reverted to type and just sat in the corner with my yeah. dad reading the paper. Yeah. So you're different things in different scenarios. But what I would say, if you want to be happy at work, do be your authentic self. If you have a good idea, if you know the answer, find the moral courage to bring that forward. Yeah. Don't sit in it. Yeah. And Adrian, what exactly happened to you? Like... It, was it just you reached a point where you're like, I can't just sit back anymore and let everyone else share their ideas when I'm sitting here staying quiet and I know how I have these wonderful ideas? Like, was there, was there an event? No, that it's not as warm or? and fuzzy as that. It, it's I, 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 my wife I met actually on the job. We met in in work, and she wanted me to do better. Mm. So it's always good to have a mentor or a steering light. Okay. She also wanted more money. <laughs> So what I noticed, and what she noticed also, was that there was people in the more senior positions, ergo getting paid more, yeah, who didn't know all the answers, okay, who weren't actually brilliant at the talking part, yeah. And she said, nudge me in the rib cage and said, you could do that, yeah. So sometimes you need this guiding light, but you have to find your own moral courage. No one can do it for you. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes it, it, it takes someone else to point out 
that you have all of this potential inside you that's not being tapped into, but you still need to find somewhere inside you that helps you to take that leap for yourself because you need to do it. Absolutely. Like people can tell you you can do it and people can encourage and people can build your confidence up, basically. That's great. It's great to have that support. And then, again, with my mother and, and my wife, and they tell they keep me grounded. They keep me straight still. Yeah. So that's been a huge benefit to yeah. me. Yeah. But if you don't believe it, if you sincerely don't believe what people are telling you, then you won't advance. You need to do it. You need to find the moral courage. You need to have that moral courage to fail. It's the classic. Have a go at it. It's not for everyone, by the way. When I talk about public speaking or moving into senior management, not everyone's going to make it. That's the natural kind of attritional filter that yeah. life has, every part of life, but particularly professionally. But have a go if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Don't be your own worst enemy. Yeah. Let someone else knock you down. You build yourself up. You go for it. Yeah. It's, it's funny what you said about failure because that's something that has come up quite a lot in the last same month or so and came up in, in conversation in college last night where we watched a video mm-hmm. and the guy said, oh, you learn as much from failure as you do from success. And I disagreed with that. And I said, I think you learn more from failure. You learn more from trying stuff and it not working out because you don't take time to reflect. When you're successful, you don't look and go, oh, how was I successful? You take your success for granted. When you fail at something, you look for all the reasons why you failed and what can I do better next time and how do I? But it's, you have to take action in order to do that, whether you're successful, like you, you fail or you learn. I- I agree with the last statement and I respectfully disagree. Whether you're successful or whether it's a failure, self-reflection, self-awareness is critical. Oh, absolutely, yeah. If you look in a sporting environment or if you look in bleeding-edge science, I really like those two things. I'm a sports guy. Without sports, Top sports people go looking for feedback regardless, Okay. So there's a big soccer game in the Premier League at the weekend that was much discussed in the media, Liverpool beating Man City. They go back now and reflect Liverpool and Man City on what went right, what went wrong. They give it to each other in the face, very openly candid, backed by data. It's not an emotional hand-wringing exercise. It's a clinical exercise. You see it in medicine as well. Take the emotion out of you know, how well you did or otherwise, particularly when you win. It's an objective look particularly at. Particularly when you yeah. win. So you're looking at the process and performance. You're not looking at the outcome. Mm. The outcome can be random. It can be completely, and again, that's life, right? Yeah. It could be nothing you did. Yeah. It can be literally nothing you did. Or it can be someone else's misfortune because your fortune. You forgive yourself for that. That's just life. That's yeah. how it happens, right? But are you doing your best? Mm. Are you judging yourself? Are you going... This is another thing, and again, a little bit um, animated. Now, not enough people in an office environment Mm. absolutely go looking for feedback. Yes. Because they fear the negative feedback. Any feedback, genuinely, if it's sincere and based, in fact, from someone who's who's a a valid uh, counterpart, is good feedback. Yes. And don't get upset or down about it. Mm. Listen to it. Reflect on it yourself. You don't have to agree with, with it fully, but you need to put it into your own mindset and digest with your own thought process. Yeah. So feedback is hugely important. Actually being happy at work. Yeah. It's the not knowing. Am I doing well? Am I not doing well? Oh, I don't know what that... Just go and ask. Yeah. 
absolutely. And that can become very empowering. Yeah. And you can start a kind of culture of people sharing and feedback loops. Yeah. Which no. kind of permeate all the way up. Yeah. There's a couple of things there. I totally agree with you on reflection. I think what I was trying to say is oftentimes people don't take that time to reflect mm-hmm. when they've been successful. Yes. And it's great that you use the sports analogy because it's so true, you know, and sometimes the, the outcome is completely random. Um, so it's allowing yourself to take that time to reflect afterwards. What went well? What could I do better next time? No matter what the outcome was. Um, I loved what you said about feedback. And I suppose sometimes it's really difficult. Well, it's difficult to hear constructive feedback, mm-hmm. let's say. It's also very um a lot of people don't know how to deliver feedback effectively or they wait for the quarterly review or they wait for the annual review so any thoughts on how to deliver feedback effectively and how to create a feedback culture yeah so again happiness with work I think as I look at this happy in work it's still work yes right it's still work and we we discussed this before we, we started there is a capitalist contract that you have to do a body of labor, whatever that is, and in return, your employer or whoever it is will give you money. Okay, you need money to live, it's as simple as that, right? But you want to be happy in life and you want to have an element of happiness in work, mm. right? If you don't have communication in your job, right, what will happen is, and this is empirically and scientifically proven, without lack of you know, general employee communication feedback loops, you will self-assess. Humans are hard on ourselves, Mm. particularly high-performing. Actually, you will always look for the negative, not the positive. So now you're telling yourself the stories. You're probably laboring on your negatives. You're probably not sure what your positives are. You need to find, whether it's your direct line manager, whether it's a peer, whether it's somebody else that knows what you're doing, you need to find somebody to talk to. Now, that should be organic, okay? And again, it'd be great if everything is warm and fuzzy and perfect, right? And everyone's talking and giving feedback and everyone can take it. And that's not life, any aspect of life. And it's certainly not office life. But there's an obligation on everybody to both seek feedback and as a manager of teams and people to give feedback. The other thing that I think is important when we think about I think there's an obligation on non-work standards and KPIs. Are people okay? Are you keeping an eye out for each other? Yeah. Right? Mm. You can see, it's funny, as we're on a a podcast, but I'm wearing a moustache this month for November, right? It's specifically in, in November where things outside work, if you're vulnerable, come on you, right? The dark nights come in, the cold weather comes in not everybody loves that Mm, okay yeah there's an obligation on people managers to look out for their staff to look out for their peers Mm. to look look out for each other yeah that should be in some way shape or form a people managers kpi yeah okay Mm. it's great to have 100 percent productivity and 100 percent accuracy rate but not to the detriment of people and your employees lives yeah so it's both yeah there's an obligation then on the other side for people who are struggling with an element of their work or their life to speak up. Yeah. yeah. So it is a two-way, it should be a two-way dialogue. It can't be, I'm going to wait for my manager, oh, my manager never talks to me. Well, go talk to them. 
No, really interesting point. And that kind of brings us back around, I suppose, to the inclusion piece. So making sure, at the, especially at this time of year, like how we spoke before we, we started recording about just checking in on like who's actually going to be attending the parties, like who who feels like they're part of the team and how do we make sure that everyone feels included? Priorities are, are legendary, right, in the good and the bad sense, okay? <laughs> and they still happen, and I think they're important to still happen in corporate world. And it's interesting. It is a good barometer of employee engagement, mm. okay? So how many of your staff have accepted the invitation to take time out of, again, a busy period of their lives, family it is usually um, some free stuff, okay, food and drink or whatever you're having. It's usually a night out, right, social. It's good. But it still is a work occasion, okay. How many people are attending? That is not a bad barometer of work happiness mm. and employee engagement. Then you need to look at, okay, everyone's here. Are they mingling or are they literally still with the core group of people that they're always with. Yeah. The benefit of a social occasion like that is to meet new people or to have, you know, cross departmental or cross are, is everyone included? Is there a couple of people literally sitting at the edge of tables on their own? This is the kind of awareness, organizational awareness you need to have. That would be someone felt they oh, I need to go to this and then they're sitting on their own. That's yeah. Not a lovely image. Mm. And then you get into the kind of forced in- inclusion. You can't really do that. Yeah. But it is an interesting one. It's an interesting barometer. A better one that we use, actually. We have what we call bank networks. They're um, affinity networks. So, for example, we have a parenting network, a young professionals network with pride, various components of diversity and inclusion. And the inclusion part is really important. So take the Young Professionals Network, okay? The name of it gives it away a little bit. It's for the younger members or new joiners to engage with each other. But old people like me (laughs) are allowed to join the party as well. And that's as important. Yeah. I can share perspective as a more experienced professional. And I always tell the young professionals, yeah, you're young, yeah, whatever. But we're here professional. So it goes back to the work. You must be professional. How do you learn professional skills that will make, again, your professional life and your outside life Mm. better? And I learned so much from that because there is a a difference and there are nuances, generational and otherwise. But what you find, the more you talk and include everybody in that conversation, is there's far more commonality than difference. There's nuance and there's difference and there's individualism. That's great. But at the core, the younger members of staff here want to enjoy their work, want to do well at their work, Mm. and want to generally advance or at least know there's a path that they can understand. And again, that goes back to communication. So you can create these kind of um, different companies, call them different things. We call them just networks. And they're global as well. So the young professionals here in Dublin get to speak to the young professionals networks in Boston, New York, Krakow. So them shared experiences are very powerful actually. Yeah. And that's that's inclusion. Mm. So we are young, but we're not all homogenous. There's different experiences. And you need to bring the opposite side and I'm 
the olds into that conversation as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. We we called them employee resource groups where I worked yeah. previously. And we need to get a common vernacular, I think, on a lot of these things in, in industry. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's too so many people, acronyms. People know so. what you're talking about. Um, but it's interesting what you say about the shared experiences because like that, you're part of this global network. It was a global company. We were part of this global network. Uh, we had shared conversations. We would have a specific day where we mm. all engaged and we were able to have virtual meetings and, and virtual um, mentoring and, and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff like that, which was really, really brilliant. Um you mentioned something there as well about the the kind of the other side of this. So like if you're joining a woman's network group, for example, you don't have to necessarily be a woman to, to join that group. So can we touch on that a little bit more detail? Yeah, so I some would say I'm too involved in advancement of I suppose women in my industry. I've kind of hinted at, or not hinted, I've explicitly told, women have played a huge role in my life Mm. and in the empowerment of the success of my life. Mm. Happiness, professional, um, sporting, everything. Women have been involved. Mm. So I have three sisters. I have a twin sister, I have a younger and older sister, and I've got my mother. Very powerful forces. My wife, Lima, my daughter, Lucy, are two forces in nature as well. Yeah who are in charge and I'm happy for them to be in charge because they do multiple things better I I can do this right and they can do everything else Um, the guiding light the guiding star in my life primarily has been female led in my office work at times not at times uh, overall um, is male dominated yeah and then if I go into a subset of that public speaking events conferences in financial services I do a lot of that that's part of my role that's usually dominated by males and there's two things to that people putting together those collectives Mm. need to be consciously unbiased now consciously unbiased they need to look for balance the balance slate and on the flip side of that it's a two way dialogue Females need to push their way onto that stage more. And this is not blaming. That this is saying, if you are offered it, I go back to the, unleash your potential. Don't hold your potential inside you. Yeah. Go and have a go at it. It's an important inclusion factor. It's not the only one, but it's one when you look at gender pay gap, when you look on social media, at events, when you look at representation. Yeah. It still is in financial services predominantly, and I'm not pointing fingers at it, it's predominantly just because how it is at the moment. But let's start a change. Yeah. And let's make discernible steps. And one of the steps you can make if you want, female speakers, I'll provide you with a list. Yeah. And they're from around the world and they are excellent. If I'm, and again, I'll just use it because the panel, every panel that has had proper diversity of thought, of gender, of even industry, cross-sectoral, has been a better panel, generally, and it's produced better outputs. That's been better for me. So it's too easy to say, I should shut up and go with the status quo. Okay. Status quo is a suboptimal outcome. Um, and it is, 
And I've been told, sorry, I've been told, it's not my opinion, I've been told by others who feel underrepresented that because I have a platform, they appreciate me using the platform mm. to say that. Yeah. To, again, peers. Um, and I am passionate about it. It comes from, it's earnest, it's from my background, but again, it makes better business. I worry at times that you're preaching to the choir, particularly at physical conferences and events. Yeah. So you get a lot of nodding or people who like your LinkedIn post or comment are the choir, right? So yeah. you're speaking to the converted. What I To use the feedback thing, what I constantly do, who wasn't at this conference? Okay. Who is this actually relevant to who isn't speaking to it? Yeah. How can I engage with them respectfully and again, re remove some and demystify some of why I talk about this? I talk about it Primarily because my own life experience has been enhanced by diversity. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not for everyone. I'm not trying to dictate. What I am trying to say is there's empirical, scientific, business evidence that shows this is not a nice to have. Yeah. It's not, you know, all altruistic. It's better business. So are there any kind of practical tips that you can... We, talk, we talked already about feedback, but there, are there any other practical tips that you can advise people if they want to create a culture of more inclusion, whether that's, you know, not necessarily within the financial services industry, but on a, on a broader scale, like how do, we, how do we start shifting the agenda? Speak up. Um, in your employment... It can be a sensitive topic. People can sometimes say, oh, I don't have a legitimate voice in that. You do. Yeah. If it seems like the right thing to do, speak up on underrepresented. Speak up on better ideas, whatever it is. Mm. If you are batted down or stamped down, that's not the place for you. Yeah. If they are your values, if that is your purpose, if that's your mission, if that's the journey you want to go on, speak up. Respectfully know what you're talking about mm. I worry about social media you know, it's, it's, you know we've had enough of experts and you're going to give an opinion rather than facts yeah. that has to transfer into your work if you're going to speak up you need to be passionate you don't need to be an expert you need to be conversant in the topic that you're going to advocate for mm. you need to do it respectfully in the right forms but you need to speak up that will then be a barometer of whether you feel you're with like-minded individuals who feel this is important and want to advance it, which again is how I feel in, in, in the firm I'm in. And then, as well as speaking up, be prepared to listen to your side and don't get offended mm -hmm. by other people. If you're talking about difference and diversity and then you're being outraged when someone has a different perspective, <laughs> that's not going to advance the debate yeah. that's not going to advance your goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there has to be give and get. Yeah. But I don't, I don't see enough people, it's starting to happen, but I don't see enough people bringing enough of their, again, their authentic selves and their lives and seeing their, their work is part of their broader life. It's not different or a compartment they decide. Mm. So you can live your mission and your, your, your life values in your workplace. Yeah. Yeah. Just understand the actual culture, broader culture in your workplace and be respectful of others. Yeah. Then you can be yourself. Yeah. Sounds I'm so simple, but I think that is what it is. But having the moral courage to be yourself in every interaction. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually empowering for you and again it's work for me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's I mean it kind of 
summarizes everything that we've spoken about and it touches on the area that I'm totally obsessed with, which is the idea of fit. So finding an an organization in the first place where you, it it reflects your own values that you can be your authentic self. And that's the kind of environment that you will thrive in. Uh, Feeling that, uh, we call it in in the master's psychological safety to speak up Mm -hmm. about how you feel, about sharing your opinions, the importance of having shared values, but diversity of opinion. So getting lots of different opinions around the table and people sharing, feeling free to share where their perspectives are coming from. Just on that point again, again, happiness in work or happy in work, there's a few things that I do. And it's very simple. Like the getting out of bed test is the easiest self-monitoring of your work happiness you can get. It is work. And again, it's November. Every day is not easy to get out of bed, right? But if you are on a a cycle of 20 days where you're literally, I can't do this. Yeah. Then I would advise you to do something else. Yeah. The other thing is be grateful if you have happiness in your work and don't take it for granted. It is, again, a a, a hugely important subset of your general life. Um, And I have huge gratitude. Again, I do work for a firm. I have a job. I've been lucky to a degree and I've worked hard, hard, but it is a privilege. Growing up as a kid, again, where I did, looking at the telly, seeing New York and Wall Street, that I pointed at and said, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I get to do that. Yeah. I get to get out on Wall Street to Brown Brothers Harriman out of the yellow taxi and go in and talk to interesting people about yeah. interesting things. I don't take that as... That's not normal, again, to you. That's what my mother was talking about. Yeah. That's What's not normal? normal for a kid on Glass Nine Road. But it is my now reality. Yeah. And I love it, and I'm grateful for it. And again, that came, to rewind back to... That came because I had the moral courage to actually unleash my own potential. This whole idea then of... Um, having the courage to speak up and the psychological safety to speak up but more than that listening to the other side so creating a culture of it's okay to speak up but also respect other people enough that you listen to their opinions and where they're coming from mm-hmm. yeah so um well listening is not easy especially for like for a talker like me for example right especially in my youth development work your urge is to help or fix most of the time you help by just allowing them to get it out and not react. Yeah. That's a parenting skill. It's a work skill, particularly anybody involved in youth development. Don't fix everything for them. Yeah. Try to get them to work out a better solution for themselves. It's it's their solution. It's empowering for them. Yeah. I was about to say it's empowering them to find their own solutions. And that's exactly what coaching does. And and, and again, if we, if we, again, a lot of people talk about, um, current kids and it's too easy and the lack of resiliency I think you can shape that practically again by actually tasking them with solving their own problem yeah. rather than taking the problem away yeah absolutely and Adrian one final question for you and the question I ask everyone is what makes you happier at work doing podcasts um, <laughs> no it's very interesting so, so I read write and talk and I get paid for that. I didn't know this, but I know it now. I love reading, writing, and talking. Yeah. 
And then that's given me a platform. And again, I read, write primarily and talk about financial regulation. All right. I do have a passion for that, right? I am a, a nerd um, and I do love it. But it gives me an outlet and a platform to talk to you about cool things like diversity and inclusion and my life. Yeah. It gives me a platform, again, to get creative around what is dry and boring content makes me so happy the other thing that makes me so happy is engaging with other people yeah getting out of the desk walking around what's going on young professionals network working again dcu with the various things these are the things that really make me happy from a work perspective and then my final point on what makes me happy is this famous work-life balance right yeah work is part of my general life and I have, and my, com- my firm have allowed me to bring some of my personal life into my work, and I bring some of my work into my personal life. Find that balance. And sometimes the balance gets shifted, right? If you have a young baby, you're not going to have work-life balance. It's all about baby. If you've got the biggest project that's going to dictate you're going to get a, a big pay rise and promotion, go for that. Balance rise and falls. Yeah. It's never 50-50. Yeah. Um, so don't get that work-life balance mixed up in your heads. You have to have it overall as a trend over yeah. a long data set. Um, but balance is important. Linking your values of your life into your work, that'll make you happy and it's what makes me happy. Brilliant. So thank you very much for Not your time today. I really, really enjoyed our chat. Thank you. That was Adrian Whelan from BBH, Brown Brothers Harriman. Uh, we were talking about inclusion, but as you saw or rather heard... We went slightly off topic, but I really, really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you did too. Uh, The conversation was the first podcast that I did that was in person. So it made a huge difference meeting someone face to face and having a conversation. As we observed, it was like meeting a friend for a coffee and kind of sitting down. And you guys have the privilege then of listening in on our conversation. I wanted to recap on some of the things then that Adrian talked about. So he talked about being your authentic self at work and being able to do that first of all in a safe environment so having that psychological safety to be able to speak up and that's the crucial first step is speaking up versus limiting yourself or putting limits on yourself as to what you can do so that helps if you have the moral courage no one else is going to do it for you And it absolutely helps if you have a mentor. So whether that's someone in your organization, outside of your organization, someone who you can speak to or who can help you to build up your own confidence in yourself and your own courage to really, really speak up. We spoke about this idea of being normal and it occurred to me that being normal sometimes is what we think about fitting in at work. So we think that we need to mold and change to fit ourselves. But the key thing to being your authentic self is that you can just be your ordinary natural self and that you will be accepted for who you are and that you will fit in so it's about being your authentic self and still feeling like you belong we talked about how just having a go or just trying something out can really help to build your confidence so if you feel that you can't speak up just give it a go and you know one step at a time We talked about the importance of self-awareness and reflection, whether that's from successes or failures that you've had, just taking that time to reflect and process the performance that you have and, and really look at the performance 
that you gave and that you contributed and not focusing so much on the outcome, which we said was could be random at times as well. We talked about the importance of feedback and the fact that any feedback is good. It's it's the not knowing piece that's really, really harder and creating a culture where it's okay to give feedback and it's okay to receive feedback and that you take feedback on board. We talked about high performers and how high performers tend to focus on the negative and be really, you know, especially hard on themselves. Um, So if this is you, then it's thinking about, well, what are actually all of the successes that I had? We talked about parties and using parties almost as a barometer of employee engagement. So looking at who is actually showing up to the parties, who said that they're going to go and are they sticking with who they already know? Are they branching out and, and talking to other people from different departments? When we circled back around then to the inclusion piece, we talked about how inclusion and diversity has better business outcomes. And Adrian spoke specifically about gender diversity. Men are not going to do worse by women having more opportunities to speak up and to be included. We talked about unleashing your potential and that kind of comes back around to this whole idea of speaking up. So the first step is really to speak up you know, to share your opinions, to share your voice in work. If you have a problem, if you have an idea, really, you just need to communicate that. We also talked about the getting out of bed test and I really loved this whole concept. So, you know, it's not everyone doesn't jump out of bed every morning thinking how delighted they are to go to work, but thinking about how many days in the last 20 days of work in this month have I really dreaded getting out of bed and going to work? And if that is the case that you have this sense of dread and you, you know and you know you have it the night before as well you have this sense of fear of going into work in the morning but that is really a clear signal that you need to do something you need to make a change and you need to leave that organization as always if you have any comments if you have any further questions about what we discussed in the podcast feel free to get in touch with me Eva at empowermentcoaching.ie if you'd like to talk to me more about how to hire and retain the right staff how to build a better culture or looking specifically at using values-based hiring, um, feel free to drop me a line and I uh, always love to uh, speak to people about that. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.